I'm Laura Weber Davis, and this is Curiosity, where WDET answers your questions about everything Detroit. Today's question comes from Peter in Ann Arbor. A good friend of mine told me years ago that the Black Bottom neighborhood was a hub of African-American community and a business district that was thriving, and that a decision was made to build 75 through the neighborhood and then decimated uh, its vibrancy. Thanks for your question, Peter. First, let's talk about the name. Black Bottom is often thought, even by some residents of the day, to have been a racial epithet aimed at the east side neighborhood near downtown. But that's not the case. Not at all. That's Ken Coleman, a Detroit-based historian and author. In fact, uh, the term Black Bottom really goes back to the French settlers. And uh, that land uh, was very much known to uh, be fertile in term- for farming purposes. Uh, it had sort of bla- a black texture and color to it. And so they termed the community uh, Black Bottom. And that's really where it comes from. By the late 1800s, French farmers and fur traders had long moved on, and other European immigrants came to Detroit. Italians, Germans, Polish, Russian Jews. The major influx of African Americans in Detroit began in earnest with the Great Migration of the early 20th century. Detroit is a melting pot. I mean, African Americans come mainly from the South. Yes, everybody was from the South at that time. See, if you were born in Detroit, that was a distinction. (laughs) This is a recording from the Walter Ruther Library at Wayne State University. The audio is fuzzy, and it isn't clear from the case file who is speaking, but she was born in Black Bottom when men and women were coming north for jobs in manufacturing. Everybody was coming up because Ford was offering Mm -hmm. this $5 a day. The coffee job. Right. Mm -hmm. And they were packing families into one room. Mm -hmm and then charge them about $50 a month rent, which was exorbitant at that time, considering that people were only making $5 a day. They were packing families into Black Bottom homes because there were limited options. Black families were rarely allowed to purchase homes. Uh, Restricted covenants and deeds restricted you from living in most of the city, and really Black Bottom, outside of a couple small enclaves uh, in Detroit, Black Bottom was the only place where you could live. By some estimates, there were 350 Black-owned businesses in Black Bottom. Paradise Valley was the adjoining neighborhood to the north, where bars and clubs filled the main thoroughfare, Hastings Street. Hastings Street Opera! Boys all down Hastings Street. Jazz, blues, and the early notes of rock and soul. And despite living arrangements, black and white folks intermingled in the bars. And you would have this black and tan. Have you run across that phrase yet? No. Uh, you'd have black and tan bars. So write that down. Black and tan bars. Black and tan. Uh, there were many music venues called black and tans, where um, African Americans and whites could enter as patrons, whether they would be jazz clubs or blind pigs after hour uh, establishments or the blues scene. And there was a very vibrant blues scene emanating from Paradise Valley. And there was a vibrant vice scene as well. Alcohol, gambling, organized crime running the numbers, and of course, the world's oldest profession, prostitution. Yes, that's Haston Street Opera. Black Bottom and Paradise Valley became known nationally as an incubator of musical talent and a good time. But overcrowding from immigration and the Great Migration took its toll on the infrastructure in Black Bottom. 
Ken Coleman says city officials began to take notice. Um, a term comes very popular, becomes very popular in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s called slum clearance. Here's John Gallagher, a reporter with the Detroit Free Press. You know, if you talk to some of the planners who were there at the time, uh, they would point to the fact that a lot of this, uh, a lot of these buildings in these older areas dated to the late 1800s, um, that they were, you know, wood frame buildings that needed a lot of work. If you dug down beneath the uh, surface, you found wooden sewer pipes that dated from, you know, heaven knows when. Um, And so they really thought that they were wiping out slums and creating modern middle-class housing. Gallagher says officials made plans to clear Black Bottom and Paradise Valley in favor of what they believed to be a cleaner, shinier future. Well, I think you have to go back uh, perhaps to the the, uh, World's Fair uh, in 1939 in New York. New Horizons. Roads for men to go places. So the GM-inspired vision of what a city was and how we're expressways, high-speed expressways were obviously the way to go. And everybody, I mean, every city bought into that. Detroit probably as much or more than anybody. Freeways. Highways and byways designed for high rates of speed in and out of city centers. Wide monoliths driven through the perceived valueless land of slums. I-75 and I-375 were plotted out directly along Black Bottom and Paradise Valley's main artery, Hastings Street. But the city did little to help relocate residents as slum clearance took hold, particularly for African Americans who most often rented from white landlords. That was a misguided notion that somehow freeways were going to benefit cities, and instead what they've done is mostly destroy neighborhoods. By the 1950s and 60s, the hope of urban renewal also brought steel and glass and modern architectural triumphs such as Lafayette Park to Black Bottom, Detroit, and the rest of the country. Again, here's Ken Coleman. There aren't very many people that would would argue against taking a community and rebuilding it. The problem was for places like Black Bottom that urban renewal, if you will, meant Negro removal. Well, Peter, I hope that answered your question. Your friend was right about Black Bottom and I-75. There was a recent effort to remove and reimagine the mile-long stretch of I-375 in the heart of the area once known as Black Bottom, but that's been put on hold by officials for the time being. You can find more stories like this by visiting WDET.org curious. There you can also let us know what you're curious about in Detroit and the region. Thanks for listening. I'm Laura Weber-Davis.